a while back, I think it was like a, a couple of years ago, I was teaching somebody something about uh, Game Maker. And they're like, well, hold on. I don't want to become an expert. And I was like, you're not going to. <laughs> you can't Excuse just me, sir. accidentally. <laughs> sir, I need you to calm down. You are, you are very, very dumb right now. Butterscotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 81 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. <laughs> I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam. I'm the typer of ASCII. I'm Sam, and I wiggle nudes. And today is January 17th, 2017th. Warning, anything can happen on this show. There will be profanity, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other crap, so if you're a baby, then stop listening. You know, on that note, I think we do have a listener question, which asks, why do we actually give that warning? We do. That question comes from a pixel and bracket. Why the language disclaimer? Is that a choice or something you have to do for every episode because of platform rules? I think this actually was because, so back a long time ago, we update, no, back a long time ago when we launched Roid, no, Flop Rocket. Mm -hmm. Floyd On iOS. We got an angry parent writing into us because there's the, the, the song oh, that we yeah. use is a 15 minute song in the background. And there's a moment in there, like at minute five yeah, and a like half. Yeah, like seven or... minutes in or something, where you just hear, like, cut the bullshit or something. Pump up the bullshit. Pump up the bullshit. Pump up the bullshit. Yeah. So yeah. something related to bullshit. It's not even that easy to hear. It's pretty distorted. Uh, yeah. And so, so I actually didn't even know this was there. I think only one of us knew it. I didn't. Maybe only Seth I knew it. I didn't know it. None of us knew The problem is most of us, you know, like you die in the first minute of Flop Rock. Right. We literally only it. heard the first two minutes of that song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so so either none of us knew it or one of us did and forgot or something. And so we're just like, whatever, we just published this game. We got an angry parent writing to us. Uh, I got to say, though, that was some that was a super melodramatic uh, email. It really that. was. Too. <laughs> apparently this this young child's life had basically been ruined uh, because of the I, word bullshit. Yeah. Appearing. The child may have been nine or ten years old. Actually, yeah. But, this child, mm, this parent yeah. was just a maniac. Really. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> after having that happen, we're just like, we don't want to deal with that. With people being mad at us about language. Yeah. So we changed all of our ratings to teen on all of our games. Yeah, so we changed the ratings to teen on our games. Just to be like, we're just going to, we're going to put a gate here to say, here's what you can expect so that we don't have to get angry messages. Yeah, what, right? what, what the disclaimer should be is this, this uh, entertainment product contains the same stuff that exists everywhere in the world that you hear on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis right. everywhere you go. So if you're trying to pretend the world is a beautiful place that has nothing bad or profane or anything else in it, then this and, is, and that's the fake. And you need to you need to maintain that world you want to live in. Maintain that narrative. Yeah. Then don't listen to this podcast. Maybe you should listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or basically anything. Yeah. Right, also, so, it's kind of fun. It's fun to have that announcement at the beginning, uh, especially because if everyone's well, because Seth does a pretty good job of throwing some weird sauce in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to. It, it does get boring to say the same thing every week, even yeah. though I only have to say it for like three seconds. Exactly. This is why I have no, a by, different by job. By second two, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so <laughs> bad. I can't do it. Yeah. So this is why I have a different job every week. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. these are also real jobs that I have in the studio. Yeah. But, you know, I just wear many hats. Yeah. It's more fun. That's why sometimes be... I don't even have a job. Yeah. My name's Sam. He's just Sam. He's just, Sam He's just right salmon right it up. Sometimes one of us has a last name every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty rare, though. Yeah, but again, you know, you got to switch it up. You got to keep mm-hmm. them guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, keep them right. guessing. So, <laughs> so uh, this week, we we have a bunch of news, and we talked about most of this stuff last week, but interestingly, all the stuff we talked about last week is actually happening this yeah. week. Yeah. So, so today, which is going to be the 18th of January. Even though we're recording on the 17th, but yeah. today is the uh, Hive Jump is out, and this is a uh, run-and-gun sort of 
uh, Starship Troopers-esque beautiful pixel art, pixel art game made by a friend studio of ours in town called Graphite Lab. They've been working on it for a few years, and it is good and very gorgeous. Um, so if running and gunning it's and couch co-op... It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, if couch co-op or just that sort of multiplayer frantic action is your sort of thing, I believe they do have online multiplayer. Um, so you can hop in and run a gun with some friends and try to defeat the queen, who is always, you know, always problematic in a insectoid sense. Yeah. So it is out um, now. And if that's the sort of thing you're interested in, definitely go get it. Um, it's not just as a fair warning. It's not the same sort of vibe as Crashlands, which is pretty chilled out, actually, as far as the game. It's a very concerned. different game, but it's yeah. Yeah. Check out the trailer. Um, it has has music by Big Giant Circles, who does like really really fun uh, chiptune and sort of EDM esque uh, mm-hmm. music and, and cover art by our very own Eric Hibbler. And mm-hmm. by our very own, he's not ours. He's actually. not ours, but we, he's, I mean, he's we, the guy who makes all of our box art. Yeah. So. We 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 feel like he's mm-hmm. part of he's the part of, part of us. Yeah. Uh, also, the documentary on the development of Crashlands, which is called, it's called A Crashlands Story Dev Diary Season, season one. 1 Brace for Impact. Mm-hmm. So just, just a little bit of a word salad. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched it. It's super good. Um, I gotta, I've watched five and a half episodes. Mm, I think there's, so the first episode is actually up on YouTube. For freebies. For freebies. freebies. Free, Freebies? Freegies? Yes. Uh, searching for it is actually quite difficult. Mm-hmm. So we're going... It's be- got a because of the SEO problem. It's got an SEO problem. So uh, trying to... We'll, we'll probably actually put a link. You'll put a link in the podcast our, description. So if you want to check it out, uh, just go to our blog, bscotch.net, and it'll be there uh, with this podcast. And you can go and check it out. The first episode is, I think, 20 minutes? 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, and pretty intense. Actually, all episodes are exactly 22 minutes and one second. They nailed nice. it. Yeah, because I, I was looking at the time, the timeline on the thing, and I was like, how, how does that even? <laughs> uh, but one thing you can do, a good way to find it, is if you go onto Steam and just search for Crashlands, you'll find it. Yep. It's right there. Yep. In the search so it is, it is available on Steam, and uh, the first episode's free everywhere, and then I think each episode's like, Two or three bucks? Three bucks? I think you can buy the whole each. thing for like seven bucks or something. Season pass? The whole the whole package. The whole kit and caboodle. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So uh, definitely go check it out, especially if you like listening to the podcast. It's literally just- It's basically that. It's just us hanging out for- With pitches. Six months um, while mm-hmm. de- while Crash Jones is getting done and while I was trying not to die. So it's good. It will it might make you feel feelings. Just fair warning. Yeah. Feelings will be felt. A handful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of us being in pitches- Where's this go? We got a we got a question. I got I got I'm mixing in a couple questions into the news today, but we got a question from uh, from Kaki Chan two, which is I miss seeing your butterscotch shenanigans Instagram posts. Are you guys going to be keeping that up? Twitter is nice for updates, but it's always nice to see you guys. Oh, Um, we're not going to be keeping it up. I guess short answer, (laughs) but uh, but we are we are in the process of uh, acquiring additional help for the office. Uh, one of which you might, there might be responsibility some doing that. It, it is. I got to say uh, when we were doing the Instagram stuff, it, I didn't like it. I didn't either. It, I added, it added a weird artificiality to everything we were doing. It was like, now go pose. Well, especially because if, if you did something funny, someone it's would like, be oh, like, Oh, do that funny thing again. Right. 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 Put it, I don't want to. How can, yeah, how can we capture that funny thing you did now Without an hour stopping. later in some other context mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, put it up on Instagram and, and reference it? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's and just, the thing is, I mean, it it, it, it bothers me be, it, it's because of the artificiality because 
on a day-to-day basis, like we're super engaged. We're really trying to, we're working hard. We're doing all kinds of stuff. And yeah, like every now and then somebody cracks a joke or whatever, but at no point is somebody like, I'm going to jump next to this thing and put on a huge grin and just stand here for a moment. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so it, yeah, it turns, it turns every moment of the office into this kind of like weird. I just, I yeah, do. I still I, wish I that we like just, it. I wish we had what I'd rather have like outside of an Instagram is actually just like an audiogram where mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. Where I, I, I just want Patrick to lace up some microphones in the office so that we can be like, oh, something funny just happened, note it down, and then he can cut it up later because. Or just have a button we can push. Yeah. That would then capture the last like 30 seconds. Yes. Because. Fat bard. Because everybody's been getting more and more hilarious. I don't know what's been going on, but the last like two months or so, like as we've sort of been churning through the new year, like finally got through this huge slog of work for the holidays and all this other stuff. Um, people lose their minds a little bit. So stuff gets very funny. And mm-hmm. uh, like yesterday I was leaving and Andy in particular, his dry sense of humor has really been, really been ramping it up. <laughs> and I was like, right, I'm going to throw my shoes on. He just looked at me and goes, that'd be impressive. <laughs> I was like, Smart ass. <laughs> so but it would be, but there are I mean, all he's these, not wrong. Yeah. I there. wish we could share all those moments, you know, rather than, the fictionalized ones where it's like, Oh, that was funny. Let's repose that. If you could, if you could somehow it would be a lot of audio recording, but, but you know if? what, you know what though? No, because those are ours. True. We it's get true. to, those are our moments. Yeah. You'll get them. We keep, we get to mm-hmm. keep them. So, so I don't know. So it's, fuck you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, let's talk about the uh, podcast service. 90, 99 people have responded to the podcast. Yeah. Service. We've, yeah. So the podcast survey has been up for, I don't know, three podcasts, four yeah, podcasts. Uh, and we just kind of, we announced it the first time and then just let it sit there and we've still been collecting uh, responses. There was one, there was one response that was kind of dickish, but all the rest were great. And it was really fun to listen mm. to, to read. You gotta get that 1%. Yeah. That, you gotta you know? get that one jerk face in there for whatever reason. But, uh, but yeah, everything else was really, it was really fun to read and get a sense of, and, and, uh, so we've had 99 responses now. We're just going to kind of leave it there. What did the salty person say? Oh, I don't want to say it cause then I'm going to call them out. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just show you guys after we okay, sure. record this episode. Um, but you know, it's it's been really interesting to hear what you guys say it. And and in general, there there isn't hasn't been like one specific thing that anybody that people tend to like want us to do differently okay. or, not like or whatever. Yeah, there's not a common thing. There there are a bunch of of kind of one-off things that a handful of people would like us to do, but it's usually, as we always see with our reviews for our games and stuff, it's one group says more of this, the other group says less of that. And so I will say though, if you, if you come into the survey just to throw salt, I just want to throw a little disclaimer there. Um, you don't really have to listen to the podcast. Like if <laughs> no. you don't, if you just rather like you hate it, and you just don't have to listen to it. Anymore. Yeah, that would be. That'd be <laughs> I'd like to throw a disclaimer in there, which is, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, guy? What are you yeah. doing? We're lady. Uh, we also Hello. have the uh, Global Game Jam coming up on Friday. For day. On for day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be global. It's it everywhere. is. It's huge. Yeah. If there's a, you should look on the Global Game Jam site. You can find if there's a, a site nearby. Again, we recommend Game Jams all the time. The Global Game Jam five years ago to this one, actually, was the first time that Seth and I duoed a game. Duoed a game. And that was Tal like Fight of the ago? Gods. Yeah. Five, five years ago this weekend. Yeah. January of and 2012. now we uh, nice. so we are actually sponsoring the um the jam here in St. Louis. So we gave him a chunk a chunk of change to feed people and make shirts and stuff. Uh, and as a result, apparently we we got a little like two minute speaking intro we can do at the beginning. Oh. Bot essentially. So what are we gonna say? I don't know. I'm gonna Who's go. Gonna say it. I think I'll go. I'll go deliver. You know, something some, uplifting. Something rousing. uplifting about you know we the, the we problem were here is we five don't. Ago. <laughs> problem is we don't know how many other people are speaking or what they're saying. I should probably just ask. So we like, have to try to come up with some kind of a cool. Standalone yeah. nugget 
that is, doesn't but I need contact. Or you can just wing it. But but I think the, the other the other because people sponsor these for different reasons, right? And a lot of it is it's businesses doing it, and so they might be trying to you know business, business. trying to business. What are we doing? What We're, do we do it for? We just, just think it's important just to help pe- help yeah. keep the event going. Which means that we don't have to mm. give a shit what anybody else is doing. We just go up. You just go up and say something so inspiring. That everybody yeah. is weeping. You could just get up there and minutes. do sort of a, a like a Braveheart scream. Oh my god! You know, yeah, just, <laughs> just get up there and just just yell your guts out for three <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what I'll do. And yeah. uh, but I think it's a, it is a really interesting milestone because it was five years ago. Yeah. That essentially this whole thing started rolling. Um, I think we started butterscotch. Wait, wait, okay. I want to I want to go back to that point in time. Okay. At that point in time, Seth, were you actually programming it? Or was this when you started your programming career? I had been doing game maker programming at that point for like six months. Okay, I think. And Sam, had you done any game art uh, yet? No, this I was had. your first game art, right? <laughs> oh no, no, I wait. Yeah, yeah, it was my first. <laughs> it was my first. Uh, I've been doing little comics, little shitty oh, comics those, online yeah, yeah. that were like stick art things that I because I couldn't figure out how to use Inkscape. Um, so this was my first time doing game art. Yeah, this the, was the time where where the character had arm. That were bananas because Sam couldn't yeah. draw arms. So this is crazy. So that means five years ago, this this coming weekend was the first jam that led to the development of Butterscotch. Seth had mm-hmm. barely been programming at all. Sam had been doing any art. Uh, a year ago, this weekend, we launched Crashlands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crashlands anniversary is the same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crashlands anniversary is the twenty first, which is why the documentary is coming out on right. that same day. Yep. So. That's it's pretty a, cool. It's a, it's a good milestone. Well, it's neat. Yeah. Things, so, are, things are happening. Well, I guess what's happening. So we, you know, in the last five years, I think Seth made an ungodly number of prototypes. Yeah. About um, 200. Probably about 200. We've done a ridiculous number of jams. We got second place in the Indie Speed Run um, once, and then we got some other award for that last time. We do Something. even lift. Um, Crashlands got nominated for a Dice Award last oh, yeah. week. Last week, yeah. Which apparently is very cool. Um, apparently, <laughs> people have informed okay. us that we should be. We're excited nominated about alongside of uh, Clash Royale, yep. Pokemon, Pokemon Go, Reigns. Reigns. I feel like Reigns is our buddy there because it's yeah. also a tiny India studio. Uh, what was the other one? Something else there. Too. I don't know. I think but, something I didn't know about. Yes, yeah, so we got that one. Um, we have how many players total? Not, we can count pirates for this. Just for nine fun. million. Somewhere around pirates. nine or ten With million. Pirates, yeah, probably something like that. Um, it's been a good. It's been a good it's run, been a good run, guys. <laughs> Pack it up. <laughs> Here's to five more years. Five hundred. Um, also, speaking of the Global Game Jam, we did get a question, mm. which I think is a good one, uh, from Space Bat. The Ooh, question is, I think it's a new person. Yeah. The question okay. is, I just registered for the St. Louis Global Game Jam. Oh yeah. So we're gonna see them there. Yeah. Have fun, Space Bat. Uh, as a first timer without a team, what should I expect and what should I bring? Ooh. What? Oh, I actually wow. have not a... been to a global game jam. I've I've assisted in two of them, I believe, with you guys. Oh, but yep. you never got to come. But to I was the in actual... Dallas both right. times, so this is going to be also okay. my first so, global game jam. Uh, if you're going to be there all weekend, bring deodorant. Yes, please, for the love of God, because you get 250 people in there. A lot of people literally stay, and this may not be true for all uh, jam sites, but it tends to be the way the global game jam works, as far as I understand. Is the venue will be open for 48 straight hours? Yeah. And a whole bunch of people are just sitting there sweating and programming and all mm-hmm. being all anxious and stuff and eating donuts all day. And man, it just gets, <laughs> it gets rank. Yeah. I would yeah. say uh, as far as what to, or as what to plan for, um, I would highly, highly not recommend that you stay up the whole time, nor that you only get like five or six hours of sleep. Plan, plan on a good seven, eight hours. Yeah. Plan on sleeping. And actually, night. if you're normally, 
the sort of person who doesn't necessarily eat healthy, or even if you are, uh, make sure you eat very healthy over the course of that thing. Because the reality is most people bulk up on, because they always have like sports drinks and all sorts of delicious candies and things just to hand out. They're easy to package up and eat. Yeah, there's big piles of like diet, or like Coca-Cola. Yeah. And- um, but if you have all that stuff, you're going to crash super duper hard in the middle of Saturday. Don't and don't ride the sugar train. Yeah, just during you know, the weekend, slow and steady. And Cats. if this is your first one, it depends on if you're a programmer or an artist. Um, both of those roles are in extremely high demand. If you are not anything, and by that I mean if you if you claim you're a designer, um, which again, designers only make work for people in small game jam senses. They mm-hmm. they very infrequently are actually able to contribute until like the last day. So uh, if it's a case that you don't actually have a hard skill yet. Do not be afraid at all, like we did, of just picking that shit up day one. Um, yep. If you got some time before the jam actually starts and you haven't done any program, pick up Game Maker and run through some tutorials tonight. The tutorials actually, are really easy and you, you can make a lot of headway really quickly. Yeah, and the first game jam I ever did, um, I did tutorials for four hours and then I built a game over a weekend. Um, you could do the same thing. We got we got plenty of days before Friday hits. Yep. Yeah, too. Um, and if you haven't got any art experience... Uh, again, pick up a tool that's really easy to use. Like and Inkscape? Then go like Inkscape. Uh, Inkscape is extremely forgiving, just like Game Maker is. And that's actually, I think, a huge part of the reason why our studio exists, actually, is because the tools we chose early on were flexible enough to let us uh, just fuck up constantly um, without having it be catastrophic. So uh, definitely check those things out. And then as far as when you get there, there's going to be... Uh, St. Louis actually is one of the biggest global game jam sites in the country. I think we beat out Facebook last year. Like yeah. 270 people There's going to be shit. 250 to 300 people there. There's going to be so. a ton of people. Um, some people come with pre-made teams, which is what we recommend. If you uh, are in St. Louis and you're looking for a team before the Game Jam starts, I would actually recommend uh, posting in the St. Louis Game, Game Dev, Dev co-op. co-op Facebook group. Yeah. And just say, hey, here's my skills. I'm super excited. You know, be a cheerful person, et cetera. And Steve will pick you up because having someone, having someone who you already know you're working with before you go in is just makes it more enjoyable i think mm-hmm. um to a large degree even if you literally met them a day before just have a phone call with them touch base say hey i'm gonna be doing this i'll bring my laptop we can go work at a panera if you want to get the fuck out of the game jam site at some point etc yep um and then beyond that just be be aware that the larger your team size is the less good of a time you're gonna have guaranteed a guaranteed um, three is is our highest is recommendation mm-hmm yeah, um, beyond four, that, it's definitely too many. I would yeah. say four is okay if you have someone who who basically self declares that they are just there to do production stuff, and that by that I mean meaning just, they will give you more work. Yeah, yeah. they're going to support yeah. you. So if you're like, oh Jesus Christ, we need we need a USB drive, and they're like, I got it, and then they'll go and <laughs> run out. Or if you're like, okay, because there will to, be those moments where all of a sudden yeah. you need stuff, and and if they you know if if you say, oh no, we need to get our page up and running because you have to actually make a a page for your game on the Global Game Jam mm-hmm. site, which by the way always crashes. Every year. And they could be building in QA testing and doing other kinds so of basically stuff having well. someone who's a production manager slash runner. Yeah. They're just yep. like, they just um, go get. That would be the only fourth person order. I would ever put on a project. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, be be very lean because especially, you know, it can be a more impactful thing if it's just you and another person. Because you'll get yep. another person very well. And on top of that, you get to make half of it. Yep. Which is just like, you get to walk away being like, I made a game. Like, I made a game because yeah. I have yeah. 50% stake. Yeah. 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 If you're there with 10 people, you didn't, you barely even helped. Yeah. Well, and yeah, one of the biggest things we'll see with these really big teams is a jam game by its nature has to be small. Otherwise you can't build the whole Mm -hmm. thing. 
And uh, having a huge team means that you're going to have a tendency to try to get everybody contributing in some yeah, you way. You want to give people work to do. Yeah. Right? So, so what you do is then you'll take sort of a small thing and you'll break it up into even more tiny, tiny pieces. And then the challenge becomes just coordinating how to pull those pieces together mm-hmm. and how to keep people on task and stuff. And it just becomes a, a nightmare scenario. Right. So one so. thing I would also recommend is, uh, is just get a, before you come to the jam, get a Dropbox folder set up for yourself. Um, you can easily share, even have the link ready to just give to whoever your team is so that you don't have to worry about all this file sharing nonsense and there's there's already a structure built in place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, try to get your infrastructure in place first. And you can also save yourself an enormous amount of heartache by using Git or some mm-hmm. other... If you know how to uh, use it. If you know it. how to use it. If you don't know how to use it, don't start don't do it this for this weekend. Just, just keep it basic. Keep, keep it basic. <laughs> but if you do know how to use it or if you want to take a few days beforehand mm-hmm. and see if you can learn how to use it, um, you can save yourself an enormous amount of trouble because then when things completely fall apart, you can just go back. They will. And they, they will fall definitely apart. Right. Will. So yeah, that, that's just some, uh, just some uh, pro tips about uh, game jams. Mm-hmm. We got plenty more, but I think that's a, that's a good start. It's a good start. Yeah, yeah, we so can, I guess, yeah. Oh, as far as tiny your- team, uh, keep your scope as tiny as possible. Mm-hmm. Stay healthy. Juice the fuck out of your game. It's much better if the game looks and feels really good. Mm-hmm. Even if it has almost nothing in it than if it has a whole bunch of stuff and it all looks like shit. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And also our recommendation as far as genre goes, if you're making, if you're making a game for the first time, make an action game yeah. where the, where the player is a, is an individual actor in the world. Uh, so think something simple like asteroids or, you know, Mario or a runner mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and that the obstacles that the player is faced with are very simple things. Don't have AI. They don't have a lot of AI, if any. And then the goal of the player is very simple. Um, Cause you can start with that as a little nugget. And if you get that feeling really good, then you can start adding cool mm-hmm. stuff to it. But if, if you the, don't have, have that, then you don't have anything. And I will say a general timeline you should aim for is that you should have a prototype done on Friday night before you go to bed. Yep. And by that, I mean, something's moving around, things <laughs> moving around and it does whatever the rough idea was of your mechanic. Um, by the middle point of Saturday, you should have a failure state in your game. So that in other words, the game is now a game by the middle of Saturday where someone can play it and lose. That's essentially what a game is. Yeah. Yep. Um, by the end of the day on Saturday, that whole piece that you built should be polished up and looking real fucking cool. Um, and then if you have time for Sunday, um, adding anything else as far as content, extra goals, any loop structures, that's when that stuff comes in right at the end. So make sure you keep a separate copy of the thing you finish on Saturday night. Yeah. In case you completely, if you're not using version, version control so that you can't destroy it on Sunday. So, but I will say if you're, again, if you're there for the first time, you, you definitely won't hit those timelines. Yeah, probably not. But just understand that the, the order of operations is still there where there's sort of like, there's a minimum viable state where the the mechanics Mm -hmm. of the game are there. They feel good. Then, you know, you get to polish in and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so oh, just and don't uh, blow your scope out. Make a menu screen. Yeah, yeah. it's it not a game until it's not a game until you click title screen have, yeah. until the player has to click play mm-hmm. to play it. And for some reason, <laughs> it feels amazing when you're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I made a game," and then you show it to your friends, and they're like, "Wow, this has a menu." And you're like, yeah. and a name it just and has, it has a play. title it and everything. Play and if the menu move, if the menu feels a little bit alive, if there's oh, just yeah. a little bit of movement, then whew. so good. Yeah. Yep. If all you actually, if all you could pull off is getting a menu that moves around and feels good, just. That's actually, it's that's pretty, actually you're, okay. You're miles above and beyond. Global yeah. menu jam. <laughs> Global menu jam. 2017. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. All right, so other other news for the week is uh, we've been pushing forward on next game dev mm-hmm. for what we are still calling Quadrupus 2, although it's moving further and further in a different direction. Something else entirely. Um, so what we're doing for this, and, uh, and I think this, this does uh, lead to an important point about the way that we build games, which is that we do it in a very atypical fashion. 
Uh, we do not do game design documents. We don't pre-plan stuff. Mm-hmm. We instead we uh, we just ride the wave. Basically, we start we start with an idea and we just keep iterating on it and keep uh, throwing stuff in there. And whatever's fun goes in the game. Mm-hmm. Whatever's not fun gets ripped out. Of and the I game. think you know we can. So we'll we'll say exactly what we what we're sort of aiming to do right now with this particular title, which is to build what is equi- what is essentially a a hack and slash city builder. Yeah. Um, pet tamer. Pet tamer. So, well, there's a shitload of it. <laughs> so uh, what we're actually going to do, though, is that, uh, as Seth was alluding to, the the fact is we don't use game design documents or try to do any sort of high-level high, high level stuff uh, at all at the outset because we truly don't know how most of these systems work. So, but also then what you've done is is front-loaded all the design work and created an engineering problem that you now right. need to go solve. And engineering problems, just they're they're structured and rigid and they aren't nearly as much fun. That's true. Well, as, and you also end up, challenges. You, to, to me, it's also, a, it's a, in, the intention is to avoid the problem of having a vision. Yeah. Yeah. Which sinks so many game projects mm-hmm. uh, where you'll have somebody go, I want to make a game that's like this. Like it has to do this, this very specific set of things. And what if one of those things doesn't work mm-hmm. with the whole thing, or it's just not interesting or whatever. And you have sort of your creative director or lead designer and they just will not move yes, on right. from that vision. And you end up making a game that for some reason has to incorporate that idea, even if it's bad. Right. So this is also part of the risk of talking about the thing you're making early on in development, because yeah. then all of a sudden mm-hmm. other people get excited, get excited about that thing you lay out. And now that starts to become sort of the vision externally, you know, oppressed on you for mm-hmm. what the game is. Which is why we, and we've talked about this is uh, sort of internally is that we, we do want to talk about, what we're working on on the podcast, um, but with the full disclaimer that we don't have a, an end target. Mm-hmm. We're we have some ideas of what we want to do, and we're working on it each week. And so then each week we can talk about what's been happening. Let it uh, evolve, but time. with no, with no promises, and, and hopefully everybody listening understands that you know we may talk about a super cool idea that sounds badass, but then it turns out to be infeasible or doesn't fit or whatever. We well, so an interesting example that. of this: what we're what our strategy is actually for this game is to jam out uh, each one of the subsystems in the game. So yes, it's a it's sort of base level as a hack and slash sort of idea, um, but we want to do class based stuff. So think about something like Diablo or Gauntlet. Um, but we also want the city builder element to be present. So in other words, town planning is going to be an important thing. We have no idea how this fit together. We've also never built either a hack and slash or a town building game. Uh, Quadrupus Rampage is more like a brawler because there's not really anything going on as far as the, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you're not there's really. There's no character customization. There's not much in the way of sort of like stats-based progression. You can't play any differently, I guess. is probably the biggest Every point. person who plays Quadrupus Rampage plays it the same. Yeah. Way. And so our goal is to make a game that has a, a, a class, a cool enough class-based system that you can essentially specialize. You can be like, kind of like how you had a necromancer in Diablo 2 who could be either a zoo necromancer who just had a bunch of pets. It could be a golem necromancer who just had one really terrifying golem. They could be a, a corpse-exploding necromancer or a dagger poison person, whatever. So we want to add some variety. That's just one that. class. That's one class yeah. that you could do all this <laughs> way. And so, uh, so what we actually did over the past couple of days is we prototyped hack and slash game. And we learned a shitload of stuff about how it actually works from a design standpoint that we did not realize, despite the fact that we've all played a lot of these games before. Um, it just goes to show that playing games is not, not the, same. the same as studying. Them, yeah. You know, or so, um, so what we're going to do is we'll, over the course of the next couple of days, we'll be essentially rounding out this hack and slash game that we built to further explore the ideas of the class-based system and a few other aspects that we really need to understand before we move into the next part. Can we and talk then, about the character that we have in there right now? Just for It's funsies? a blabarg. It is a blabarg, mm-hmm. which has been mentioned before. Uh, it's sort of like a, a, a walrus person, kind of. He's got a tusk 
Mustache. Tusk a, mustache. Tuck, yeah. These two mustache. tusks that go off to the side under his nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a mustache. Um, yeah, well, I want to keep it under wraps for the most part, but I think the... You mean like what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, what actually happens there, but... Uh, the overall approach that we're actually taking with this one, because we want to build a bigger game, the problem we recognize we had with Crashlands is that we did not know how crafting games work. We did not know how large-scale RPGs work or character customization works because we hadn't built it before. And uh, the result was that because of the way we built the, the whole game and sort of our lack of understanding as we went into it, that the game ended up being way less flexible in terms of us being able to add and sort of diversify uh, player options as the game progressed, which is basically the one negative note of feedback we've gotten about Crashlands overall is that yes it's a huge huge game uh, it's got a great story and all this stuff but the reality is that the loop structure the sort of overall underlying gameplay doesn't really change from it's, i guess halfway you could, you through could say it's pretty linear it's very linear what, um, what you get to do like you can use choose to use like a flamethrower versus bombs or whatever but this you it's know kind of all the same at the other day yeah um so what we want to do is, is do better about that and with this idea going forward that what we're going to do is prototype in order essentially the the actual game systems that are going to be present in this next game so that we have a really deep understanding of how all the systems work and then build it after that. So first is hack and slash. The fun part with these prototypes is these are, these are, well, I would say they're more like, they're like jam versions of the final game systems yeah. where they are fully polished. They have all the special effects. They have all the art. They're being built under the same technical constraints as the final game. So mm-hmm. isometric. Uh, isometric tiles with the same scaling, same color palettes, you know, all that stuff. So, that, so it's basically like miniature versions of what's going to be in the final game, but still using all the same tech. Mm-hmm. So we can just slap it all together at yep. the end and stitch together the game system. So the rough order we're going in is uh, hack and slash, which should be done by the end of this week. And then city building, which never done before. Probably take next and week to what do. What that means, we don't know. No idea. Um, to learn. And then uh, the next one was going to be, we're going to hit the fishing. Yeah. Fishing game. And then after that is the pet battle game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, was there fifth Farming? One? Oh, yeah. And the farming. Yeah. And I think that's Which is the, all to say that if you thought Crashlands had lots of systems. Just you fucking <laughs> Well, yeah. Because well, if you think about like, so there, so there's a game called Ridiculous Fishing mm-hmm. by Vlambeer. It's super, super fun. Um, and it's it's purely a fishing game, but it's it's also a shooting fish game, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you whip the fish up into the air and then you blast them out of the air. And for some reason you get money for that. Uh, cause why not? Cause, cause, cause it's all, awesome. cause you're a fisherman. <laughs> so, <laughs> a fisherman. so, uh, so basically just, just thinking about the fact that in Crashlands, our fishing game, you know, in my opinion, it's what I would consider a quote, a mini game. It's which I wouldn't is, even call it, it a game. feels game ish, yeah. but it's more like an activity. It's cause an activity, yeah. cause you can't really fuck it up that much. Nah. And there's no loops. There's no expansion. Like when you fish in the very first time, it's the same as when you fish for the very last time. Mm-hmm. And so we want to take the concept of having these smaller game systems, but but not have them be smaller, have them actually mm-hmm. be really deep and interesting Robust. and have all kinds of cool stuff you can do. And the only way to do that is, is through this rapid jam thing where we develop these as fully standalone games that could stand on their own, but then merge them into the, the main game. And so the goal here is to make a game where, yes, it's sort of a, the core action component is this sort of hack and slash idea, at least for now. Um, but if you so chose that you as a player could say, forsake the life of a hack and slash murderer and just, you know, just farm, just, just, just farm and fish, <laughs> just farm and fish to complete you the goal. Probably do that. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? I think, I think it would stand to reason that the most interesting stuff would come out of participating the in all part. of the, right. yeah, the well, yeah, of course, because having, having the game systems interact with each other in all kinds of cool ways yeah. is where the, that's where the, 
cool Magic stuff. That's what but you want to you want to have that opportunity where someone could be like, I'm gonna play Skyrim like a like a pacifist. Right. Make everything else kill each other. I'm not gonna get my hands dirty. You know. Yeah. Um, like that's incredible. That's an incredible flexible, like incredibly flexible design system there. Yeah. That lets people do it and still have fun. So. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's it. So that yeah, so that's kind of where we are with our current uh, game progress, and it's it's coming along super well. Oh, that's fun. Um, also, we use a text editor in house. Oh yeah. Called atom.io. It's A-T-O-M dot I-O. A-T-O-M dot I-O. Uh, and we highly recommend it because of how flexible it is. And one of the things you can do with it, yeah, Sam, you, you uh, well, so Adam talked about this, I think a couple months ago mm-hmm. when he got onto atom.io. I've still been using notepad plus plus to just sort of track my day-to-day tasks and stuff. Um, but we were talking about today over, over breakfast during a reflection period and, uh, Adam suggested actually using this thing cause you can make everything prettier. So you pick it up. And then I remembered vaguely that there was, there's a time when Adam showed me a video of someone exploding the words on their text editor. Mm-hmm. Like as they typed the screen, was screen shaking, shake and yeah. there was like glitter flying off of them. <laughs> um, and so I, Particle I, effects. I asked him about it when we got back to the office and it's called awesome mode. It's a package you can install into this text editor and it makes it that as you type, uh, you build combo points. There's a combo points thing (laughs) at the top, right? So as you type, it's counting and there's like a decay, you know, so if you stop typing for a while, then you lose your combos. And then at any certain number of uh, combo points, you can have it essentially like announce something to you. Simone's like, wow, what the fuck? And I know, um, so as it's I'm like just having typing, a little hype man. Oh, it's incredible. And then, I, and then I have a little bit of screen shake on there. So as I'm typing, it's like, wow, it just feels amazing. Um, I don't think it would work very well, obviously for like code because I would not be or able to focus. Or for long form writing. Right. Um, but but I did for, t- like for crushing a to-do list though. Oh, it's great. Can, you, can you plug the extension just specifically into certain files? So you can know. be like, oh, when I'm working on my to-do there's list. A, well, there's a hotkey just to turn it on and off. Oh, okay, so cool. You can just Control, Alt, O, I believe. Um, but yeah, so. O for awesome. Uh, awesome. If awesome. If anybody, <laughs> of you, if any of you use a notepad or notepad-esque uh, program, switch to Adam.io and install the awesome dash mode plugin. Uh, you can modify all the parameters. You can make it a little less obtrusive if you'd like or more. Um, <laughs> but it is, yeah. I don't know, especially because we have mechanical keyboards and all of us mm-hmm. type like 120 words per minute. And so it just feels yeah, so appropriate. When you, when you crush the keyboard and hear it clack and then something explodes on it. <laughs> oh my God. It's just like, I am really typing. Right? Yeah. It, it makes you back. feel great. It makes you feel great. Yeah. So get on it. So do that. Adam to Iowa. All right, let's get to some questions. Okay. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, if you ask with a Bscotch ID, then we will give you a pretty fucking cool copy sweet. of Butterscotch avatar. If we answer your question. If we answer your question. If we don't, then I guess then it's we won't too give bad. You one. Space Bad just got one. So hey, I will say, though, no, this, this week we had 73 questions. We're going to delete a bunch of them. You guys are crushing on the questions. Actually, a lot Which, of these are really good, too. And they're, yeah. and they're almost all amazing, except yeah. for a couple of them are just really bad. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are thinking, um, but whatever. All right, so, like, <laughs> so we, we're actually going to probably impl- uh, implementing a time limitation where if a question hasn't been answered in a few weeks, it'll probably just drop off. Mm-hmm. We used to do that, but then we hit kind of a lull and then we started know. running out of questions, but now yeah. we're getting overwhelmed. So, yep. you know, we got to, we got to do what we got to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, question number one comes from Mia Kitty. Number one, Australia, number Australia one, fan. Number one Australia fan. Uh, yeah. A few episodes ago, you were talking about the stair ghost. Is this mm. the only ghostly encounter any of you all have had? What about the encounters of the alien kind? Anything spooky you can tell us uh, about? I've encountered 10 aliens. 
Adam's encountered a. They focus on Adam. For yeah, sure. I had to sign an NDA though with the aliens, so I can't talk about it. Mm. Non disclosure of e- alien e- NDA. Yeah, it's an NDA. Okay, so Adam can't talk about it other than Sorry, mentioning guys. that happened. <laughs> we used to, we grew up right next to an old graveyard from. Oh yeah, I uh, forgot about that. From it's like a pioneer graveyard. It was it? it was from oh, yeah. the the gold rush days, wasn't it? Wait, gold rush? There was no gold rush in no no like people Iowa, passed, people passed through. through. Yeah yeah. People like in the early ish or like in the mid eighteen hundreds passed through. Yeah, well, in the, I mean, in the mid eighteen hundreds, people people on the east coast were like, I'm gonna go to California. And then Wait, that's thus, what they do today. Too. Thus began a thirty-year journey <laughs> where they had to go on foot, and then like forty of them would die on the way, yeah, and they'd yeah. like bury their friends and family. It's like the people, killed by animals. It's like the people who got there weren't the people who made the decision to go there. Yeah, because they had which kids. Is kind of common. It's yeah. kind of like if we sent, <laughs> if we wanted to send a spaceship like to another star or something. Yeah. Then what we're actually doing is sending our like great grandkids to mm-hmm. those stars. Yeah, so that's basically how it was just to like go to California. Yeah, you know, but I remember then. that because there's there's a bunch of baby graves. There's a lot of baby which graves are, like, the next to our because they're 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 so old. They're 1800s, early 1800s. I'm pretty sure something yeah. like that. And so you go and you walk over there and you could easily just not notice that these things are in the ground. You could be like stepping on a baby grave. Yeah, because they're just these little sort of like stone. Tablet carved that have been chiseled, Ugh. you know, and then they just spooky. buried it in the ground. And- Very spooky. Oh, Woo. I'll tell you, I, I don't think so. I haven't had so it's spooky. I haven't had any. We've had we have the spooky stuff, but I haven't had any uh, other sort of weird experiences besides that damn ghost at dad's house. Um, but aside from that, I will say I have performed spooky things to freak people out. Well, the best of which like is exorcisms. That, did you ever go to Blue Point in Iowa? Blue Point, no. Blue Point. So this was a thing that started happening when I was in high school. And I was like, oh my God, Blue Point's like the scariest, the scariest place. It's one of these old graveyards. It's like on someone's property. So of course, as a teenager, you have to go trespass. So um, it it spookier. Teenagers are great at trespassing. So what we did, uh, I think it was my senior year of school. This is a terrible idea. Nobody do this. But um, we went out there with a group of friends. Everyone's getting all spooked. I think we listened to spooky stories like on the way out there. So everyone's already tingling. You know, everyone's like, oh God. And uh, we go out there and... What it was me and one other friend who knew, and then there were four people with us who did not know that we had also installed four of our friends in the woods behind the cemetery with a weed whacker. Mm, classic teen move. Uh, <laughs> so uh, in this <laughs> graveyard, weed whacker. It's like it's not huge. It's like a it's like a block. Is it a weed whacker that goes? <laughs> no, but uh, okay. it sounds like a chainsaw. Oh, I so uh, so I think what we did. We had, we had like, we were able to text the people who were in the woods and we had the people who we were sort of escorted them in and we we're like, oh my God, it's so spooky. Telling spooky stories. And then there's this, this really creepy grave that is a cradle in this place, which is terrifying. Another baby grave. Another baby grave. And so the baby graves. And so someone was like, I think they, one of the people dared someone to like climb in it. They're like, you apparently you can hear the souls of the screaming people if you lay in this thing. And so the person started climbing in. And at that moment, the weed whacker goes off in the woods and like screams of banshee-like nature. And I swear to God, that was like the fastest I've seen anybody move in my life. <laughs> Everyone's just like, oh! The person who like was, you know, clambering into this tomb essentially goes, goes just bolting out. Um, we run and everyone, I think me and my friend were laughing, of course, because we're sadistic teenagers. But then uh, we suddenly realized like the other four people who were with us were clearly just like terrified out of there, like just bawling uncontrollably guys and ladies alike. Just everyone's like, Oh my God, we're going to 
<laughs> so we dove into the car and drove off um, and let them know that it was, you know, it was a joke. We met up with everybody afterwards. But you know, it would have been crazy hmm. if if you were like, oh yeah, we put we put you know four people in the woods with weed waggers, but then you heard four more weed waggers. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna whack our weeds so good. All right. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the only other spooky thing, but it's just being spooky, being a stupid, being a spooky, grave defiling teenager. Yeah. That's apparently what they do. Yeah, yeah. Right, it is so. a great way to get shot, though. It is, is. To, is to trespass. I think we might have gotten on rural private property. Oh yeah, I think someone started like coming at us with a four wheeler. That's why everyone dove into the car and we just drove away really fast and they chased us down. The yeah, many, many. That was uh, very scary. Many actually. teenagers from our neck of the woods from. Central Iowa have stories about doing these things and almost getting shot. shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because the thing that everybody was afraid of was the weed whacker ghosts. Oh, yeah. What they should have been afraid of the was, real the, person was the old dude, the owner of the property. <laughs> yeah. Being like, what are these people doing with weed whackers on my property? <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Uh, All right. So, next question we got. So, kind of a combo question. Mm, okay. Um, so, the first question comes from Degeki. What is the most significant life view change after being confronted with the fleeting fragility of life? Mm. Sam. Oh, or, <laughs> uh, or any other event heretofore unmentioned. Mm. So that is the first question. And then the second question is from uh, Alan Falcon, who said, the goal of Crashlands was to make something that matters. Success. Do you have a similar goal for Quadrupus 2? For some reason, I feel like oh, these yeah. questions connect. Yeah, um, I think they're... So I did a lot of reading when I... Uh, especially when I first got diagnosed, and I think I've recommended on the podcast before, but there's a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who's a dude who went through a Holocaust camp um, and, you know, watched people get both get exterminated and then also simply die in the camp by essentially giving up uh, because, of course, they're under these extreme, extreme conditions. And uh, one of the really interesting things that came out of the book was that he says something along the lines of when people are placed into a a, a, a situation where they're experiencing a ridiculous amount of hardship, uh, the moment that they give up is when they actually die. Um, they, their body might linger for a while, but they'll be dead within a couple of days. And he saw this over and over in this camp where people are, of course, being tortured and all this other stuff. And it was the people who somehow managed to keep this idea going forward that, that they were going to get out of it and it's going to be okay. And so I managed to hold on to that, that ended up uh, living afterwards. And we've talked to, I've talked to uh, our dad about this a few times because he's a surgeon, been around a lot of death in his time. Um, and he essentially confirmed this fact. He's like, you know, yeah, some people, if they're, if things are going really, really bad, you can see, you can see when they give up and then very, very quickly they pass. Like when they deteriorate extremely quickly. Um, and there was that phrase, give up the ghost, right? which essentially means yeah. leave your body. Um, and so I, I think uh, reading that book was really, really interesting because it, it sort of put uh, a lot of the, the ideas and the ideals of hope in a really horrible situation into context, because it, especially when it's all you got, if you, if you're not, you don't manage to cultivate it and don't manage to surround yourself with people who help you cultivate it. Um, you can get, you can get in real dangerous territory real quick. And as far as the crash lane stuff and, you know, making a, making a thing that mattered, I think, yeah, we, we managed to do it with crash lens, which is good. And I think the truth is going forward, it's like, we don't want to make anything that doesn't matter. I think it's almost, mm-hmm. it's basically what the goal yeah. is. Just <laughs> don't do shit that doesn't matter anymore. Um, and it's, it's much easier to do that when you are unaware. And some, I mean, some people may think that they're totally aware of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm aware of my mortality, like I'm doing it, but if it hasn't been checked before. Well, um, I, think, I think it's a question of sort of its impending nature. Yeah. You know, like knowing that it's a remote possibility is one thing, mm-hmm. but knowing that it's incredible likely and soon is a totally is different thing. It puts it right in your face, right? Yeah. Um, so I do, and I, so I have a PET scan tomorrow. 
which I guess is today, podcast time, again to check. When was the last one? Six months ago. So we're going to go get reminded about that again tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> hopefully everything's good. I expect it is. Um, but it's one of those things that as if you've gone through something that is basically some sort of trauma that gets to stay with you, which is like cancer, or if you lose a loved one or something like that is very close to you, you don't get to get over that per se. You sort of get to put it in the background. Um, but I do think there's the the big life sort of vision shift for me has been mainly along the lines of uh, focusing on on making things matter. And what I mean by that is, and this is what Viktor Frankl suggests, is the meaning of life is just to make meaning in your life. And that means that if there's stuff that other people might consider cheesy or dumb that you do, if you're like, oh, yeah, so, you know, I planned this big event for my my best friend when he got home from the airport or something like that. Or, like, I showed up with a sign when someone came at the airport just to make them, like, feel good. Um, those little extra things are really the things that people care about and really matter at the end of the day. Um, and there's a lot of people who are sort of, I guess, getting real cynical and kind of, like, shit on the idea of putting extra effort into or, like, just into, into pretty much anything. Things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the reality is at the end of the day, you're going to remember you're going to remember those things above everything else. And if you're not if you're not participating in the manufacture of those for yourself and for others, then, yeah, I think, I think you're wasting your time, frankly. Um, doesn't have to be incredible. I mean, you could leave a post-it note with a drawing on someone's freaking door, and that's just a fun way to start your day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe don't do that to complete strangers because you might freak them <laughs> out. Right. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but I think uh, just participate. I guess that's what it is. Like, yep. And that the weird be thing alive is, and give a shit. Yeah, I think the weird thing is that the we've talked about this a bunch with, with regard to how the internet, what the internet does to people, and I think I think it for some reason makes it easier to not actually participate in your life and more so to be a spectator in other people's well, it, lives. It allows you to participate in a way that actually is just spectating. Yeah, it makes you it seem feels like, like participation, right? So that right. so that you end up just empty, mm-hmm. but but it makes you have to chase it more, right? Because you're doing a thing that seems like you're participating, so you just got to do more of it, and it's just chasing this this mm-hmm. empty hollowness. Yeah. So yeah, I think so if there's like if there's something that you care about, then just do something about it. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much it. Hell like, yeah, man! Participate in your fucking life because you're gonna die. Yeah. That's it. Gar- guaranteed. And, we, and so we do. So then I guess yeah, we do have a similar goal for Quadrupus too. Then. Yeah. All right, cool. So we're going to keep doing stuff that matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's also building a studio, right? Building oh, a yeah. studio, building a culture, being able to hire people and, and like employ them is mm-hmm. awesome. Right. Uh, and so, and so we get to leverage something that mattered to a bunch of people into us, which was Crashlands, into something that we get to build this long-term thing that can sustain other people even, and that can mm-hmm. build even more things that people actually give right. a shit about. Uh, so yeah, that's just the plan now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. super cool. All right. Next question comes from, Zuby. Zuby Dooby Dooby three one one says My Erica. fun hobby is to create games. What about his unfun hobbies? He's got a, a whole bunch of them, but his fun <laughs> one is to create games. His or her, I should say. My mm-hmm. worry is uh if I started doing it full time, it would become a job and mm-hmm. lose its fun. Uh, after years of game making, do you guys find making games fun or just a job? Before we answer this, do you think this is in any way related to the kind of question where there are some people who are worried that if they start working out, they'll like get too buff? Mm. That's my favorite one. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a thing until I read it in a book somewhere where there's like a common like worry yeah. that people had. I was like, the 
Someone's like, I'm overweight now, but if I start, I'm going to instantly be a bodybuilder. And yeah. that's just, I don't want to. That's gross. And my clothes won't fit. Like, I don't want to go down this I, A while back, I think it was like a, a couple of years ago, I was teaching somebody something about uh, Game Maker. And they're like, well, hold on. I don't want to become an expert. And I was like, you're not going to. <laughs> you <laughs> can't just sir. accidentally. <laughs> sir, I need you to calm down. You are, you are very, That's very dumb right now. something that takes an incredible amount of time. And do If it. you're purposely <laughs> trying to make sure you don't do something too Wait a well, sec. you're doing let's that just Let's just unpack that for a sec. So <laughs> the idea of saying to someone who's teaching you something, when you don't know what you're doing. Take it down a notch. Right? I don't uh, want to understand. I don't want to understand. <laughs> I just want to do. Um, we've talked about this before about self-handicapping, right? Mm, yeah, I, I don't think yeah. this- I Is that even what this is? This is something else. No, no. This, this is unrelated to Zuby's point, but yeah. I think I, I want to point this expert thing out. Um, I don't even think this is self-handicapping. I, I think this is just wanting an end product without, without the process, right? It's just like, the, like you yeah, just sure. want- It's like- yeah, I want to be a novelist, but I don't want to have to understand good grammar, and I don't want to read books, right? I just yeah, you got to understand that that there's that there's a subset of things that belong to the parent thing, right? Yeah. So being a novelist also involves also. Here's a question: Why would you not want to be an expert? I don't because I think that this is the kind of thing like where this I is don't. what I'm trying to figure out. What? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's because because to to a lot of people like being an expert means you had to work. Right. I don't think it's the way I think maybe it's the fact that you have to give up stuff. You know what I mean? Maybe. Because like, well, well, I don't know. You can't just tan yeah, you can't just tangentially be an expert at something. Uh but I think more to the question. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. So what the fuck? Is if you take something that you're doing for fun and turn it into your career, Mm -hmm. um, what's that what's that like? What's it about? Well, so I think you should read the e myth. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's a book called take just pause this podcast right now, grab a pen. Write down the E-myth. Mm-hmm. Go look it up, buy it, and read it tonight. It's incredible. Um, it will explain a lot of this, I think, Yeah, for you. Yeah. Um, but I think as far as we're concerned, making games is still super-duper fun. I don't know about you guys. Love the shit out of it. Even the part where we're like, oh, we need 700 chairs. Sure. Yep. I'm down now. I'm, you mean I'm down to clamp. chairs to make inside of a game? Or, yeah. or just chairs in general. <laughs> I think the all of the administrative overhead that's come from making games and selling them and doing mm-hmm. these things successfully and having a studio and all stuff. Uh, I don't find that particularly enthralling as, yeah. a, as a thing. Um, so there, there are unintended consequences of pursuing work that is your love, which is that it's not that the, uh, at least in my case, I would say it's not that the love for the craft has eroded. It's just that it's been actually blocked in a lot of ways by a lot of other shit that's come from doing well with the craft. Well, that's exactly it is, is if you're successful at it, if you're, if you're pursuing it as a, as a career, right. Then you're going to, it's going to generate other stuff that isn't that thing. Mm-hmm. And, that, and the, there's other stuff that you have to do. Well, just, just as a simple example, right now, if you're making games for fun, presumably what that means is you're not selling them. Right. You're like, oh, it's just fun to make them, right? As soon as you make a dollar selling games, you got to file some taxes, yep. right? So now you got to start documenting also your you income. Some customer support to deal with because that person's going to be like, hey. That one person who bought your game, mm-hmm. they're going to have a bug. I sideloaded it and I hacked everything and I want you to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so even, I stole it first and then I liked it. So then mm-hmm. I decided to buy it, but it was on top of my hacked, stolen yeah. version. And I want my dollar back. Yeah. So we left stories. So I think I think yeah. there's a bigger question, which is: Let's say you are working a, a part-time job or a full-time job that isn't 
the fun thing that you like to do, like making games. And so you're spending eight hours a day doing this other stuff that you're not that pumped about, right? If you turned uh, making games into your career, you would not be spending that full time making games. Mm -hmm. There would still be a subset of that time that you'd be doing stuff that, again, you're not that pumped about, like documenting your expenses Mm -hmm. and talking to an attorney about and user license agreements. Mm Mm-hmm or whatever, but you're still going to be doing a lot more of making games. Well, it's also, it's all in service of. It's part of that bigger picture. Yeah. So I think, I actually almost think about it kind of like a, kind of like a a long-term relationship or marriage, right? There's plenty of stuff you got to do. Like, oh, now we got to pick the paint for this house that we got, or, oh God, we have to go grocery shopping. Well, just being being an adult. (laughs) Yeah. Gives you responsibilities and chores. Correct, but I think well, it's it's, the, it's true, but I think it's also the, the pursuing of a particular thing uh, is never going to be able to be pure in the sense that you can't just go get only the thing that you want or need out. Well, the of only a way you can is if person. it's a hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you don't fully commit or to a it, fling. Right. Yeah. If you, if you don't, if you don't fully commit to a thing, that's the only way that you can purely get the fun part out of it and nothing else mm-hmm. because you aren't taking it far enough to actually be exposed to the yeah. full spectrum of Although, things about it. I would actually, I have a differing opinion. Okay. Which is that by being able to throw your entire self into a thing, like making games for a living, right? Then now you get to think about that thing all the time. Yeah, it's amazing. As a consequence, you now have to think about a lot more pieces than you otherwise would have had mm-hmm. to, right? And if you just for some reason just like hate the idea of thinking about those pieces, I actually just think you're wrong and you've got to hang up. I mean, you just need to get yeah. over that shit. Right? <laughs> because by by throwing your entire being into a thing, then you actually get to do the parts that are even more fun than you what get to you go get deep. to do. You get to go as deep as is humanly possible into mm-hmm. that thing. So if you're making games for a hobby, like that's great. That's fun. That's awesome. Right? Super fun. Uh, and, but you know, you can't make the kind of games that you could, if you were working with a team, right. Mm-hmm. Or if you had a company behind you where you needed administrative support because you were successful, mm-hmm. right. Uh, and you didn't get to go through being in the trenches either with, by just by yourself, which of course is anxiety inducing that kind of stuff. But it's also amazing to come out on the other side of when you go through the trenches, trying to deal with how do you make a thing successful or how do you work with a team to create a product or whatever? And I come on the other side, you got to just do something amazing that you couldn't have done by yourself. And hobbies are mostly things you do by yourself. And if they're not, they're things you do without being able to rely on anybody else because nobody has any real skin in the game because right. it's just a hobby. It's just for fun. Right. So I think, so you, I actually so think you, you, so you get to do it for quote fun. Um, but that means this, you're the, barely well, yeah, doing it in the all. same sense that like watching TV is fun, right. right? It's a, it's a passive activity that you're not super in, engaged in. There's nothing at stake. There's nothing at risk and you can't go very deep into much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, ramping it up in terms of your, uh, your dedication to it will necessarily ramp up how deep you are into it. And if that's the thing that actually excites you at the end of the day, then you're good to go. Like working full time on games will not be a problem for you. Yeah, because I mean, the question shouldn't be like, do I just want to do this thing for fun with no consequences? Mm-hmm. Or, oh my God, I don't want to add consequences, now it'll be a job, right. right? The question is, do I actually love the fuck out of doing this thing so that when it, so that if I tackle it with my entire being, that all of the other stuff it requires me to do is stuff that I'll know, I will now go gladly take care of, mm-hmm. right? Because the answer is just no, then you actually don't really care about that thing anyway. Right. You know? Well, I mean, you, you don't care about the, you don't care about it enough. Hole. Yeah. Well, like yeah, you, right. you, you still totally care about making games. Yeah, but, but you can find other ways to do it. You don't need to form your own business to make games for a living, right? right. You can 
you just you can polish it. up your skills until you're hireable by a company and then go up into another studio, up into their studio mm-hmm. and let them take care of all the bullshit while, <laughs> while you do right. the thing you care about. And of course, yeah. now you're constrained to do what they want you to do. Right. But, uh, but, but it has, it's, it has other benefits then. It's got right? other benefits. Yeah. There's always a trade off. Our next question comes from Degeki. Again, Degeki's got, got some good questions. Having listened to 90% of the podcasts in a few weeks, I've gotten a compressed view of 22 months of your lives. How does it feel to know that strangers know you in this way? Well, we also have the documentary out now, so yeah, it's all getting pretty weird. <laughs> you real fuck weird because you guys get to watch home videos. So yeah, yeah. We, we dumped a whole pile of home videos on. Well, I think it's also the case though that we're we're very candid about stuff that's going on, and very transparent actually about stuff that's going on. So it's the, I think the only weird thing about it is the fact that it's asymmetrical. Because the yeah. truth is, that basically, anybody we meet, we behave the same way around. And this is an, an interesting thing that I don't think is, is necessarily common for everybody. But um, we don't have multiple faces. Uh, and I don't think, again, I don't think it's a bad thing. Some people have, like, a really professional air that they carry at work. Um, some people have, like, more of a hilarious sort of bro vibe when they hang out with their buddies. Some people, you know. They have, you know, locker room talk, for example. Oh, God. Yeah. So the point is that some people are different people in many, many different scenarios. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, don't ever fucking try a locker room talk with us. Oh, yeah. We will not participate. I've yeah. had, that's, that's happened so many <laughs> it's times. happened to all of us, and we fucking hate it. The guy yeah. comes up, he's like, I want to bond with you by objectifying that woman over there. And I'm like, go Why? away. <laughs> Could you not? <laughs> Let's talk about sports ball or something, please. <laughs> no, let's uh, not talk about sports um, ball. <laughs> but yeah, so I think the, the weird thing about it is 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 the asymmetry. Because the truth is, if we met any of you one-on-one and had sort of just like kept in touch for the last 22 months, you'd know the same things. It's just that we would actually be able to have a conversation with you about stuff that you got going on as opposed to just whatever the fuck has been well, happening. It, it is weird, though, if we do if you do meet somebody who has been listening to all the podcasts, like they do know a lot of your ideas about things. Yeah. And so if you're talking to somebody and you don't, you don't know what they know and then they'll, they'll ask you a question about something and you'll start being like, Oh yeah, we did this thing. And they'll be like, hold on. I know I already, I listened to that. Oh yeah. It's happened a couple (laughs) times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a little weird. It becomes a weird sort of (laughs) information asymmetry. Yeah. Actually, I honestly think it's, it's, the weirdest case is when, so like I have a close friend um, from college who like we keep up maybe like once a month, we'll chat for a few hours. Right. But, but that's about it. Uh, but he listens to the podcast in large part. So he can like kind of keep up with what's going on. So that means that every time I do talk with him, it's this, it's this he deal. Right? He already knows a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Uh, and so we have to kind of get past the point of like knowing you need to you, figure out what he knows, he about, knows. Right? <laughs> so uh, you can talk about the stuff. Yeah. You talk so, to, so right. to me, that's actually, cause when I talk to somebody who I don't really know, who I know is a podcast listener, for example, mm-hmm. Uh, like what happens when I go to some of the local dev events and stuff. Um, then I kind of get a sense. I'm like, okay, so now I, now I kind of know what I can ask about because I don't know this person yet, which means mm-hmm. I can just talk about other stuff now. But on the plus, yeah, the plus side, it gives you an opportunity since they know everything that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Then you could just ask them stuff and right. learn about them yeah. and then they can just right. talk. Yeah, so it's, it's not yeah. actually a problem. It's just, it is, it adds this kind it, of it, it means It means you have to, you have to lay down the parameters of the relationship <laughs> right. before you start talking to me like, do you listen to the podcast? <laughs> right. right. What do you know about me? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to do one quick last question okay. before we, before Let's we call it. it a day. This question comes from Spike Guy. Again, it's another podcast question mm. about the podcast. Spike Guy says, I just discovered your podcast and I love it. Mm. It's hilarious. And I want it all. Okay. To catch up, do you think <laughs> that I should start from episode one and work my way up? Or do you think I should listen to the episodes in reverse order? Ooh. And why? I will say the audio quality in the earlier ones is terrible. Yeah, I would skip the first maybe like four. Four or five, probably, because that's where the audio kind of stabilizes. 
Unless you can, bear I think it. I think about episode maybe in like fifteen is when we. That's where what? Well, yeah, it gets good. Like the audio gets good quality around like fifteen, but it gets. We got new mics and it's not terrible. It gets not terrible. Like six or yeah. Well, he, like here's that. an interesting. So I, I listened to um, my brother, my brother and me. It's a, it's a podcast also by three brothers, but it's an advice podcast, and uh, they have they've been doing it since 2010 or something, and they oh, do shit. it weekly. So they have they're now pushing episode three hundred or something. And I started listening to it uh, a year and a half ago or two years ago. And when I started listening to it, I was at the end. I was at the most recent ones. And I was like, maybe maybe I should do this. Maybe I should go back to the beginning and start listening. But I realized that, you know, over the course of the years, people change. People, mm. their ideas change, how funny they are, um, just how they talk about things. And in the case of of that particular crew, over the course of their years of doing advice at the beginning of their stuff, they were a lot more judgmental mm. of the people who wrote in. They were a little bit more crass and, you know, a little bit more rough around the edges and rude and stuff. And as they got older, as they did the show more and stuff, they just, they became a lot less, or they became a lot more open and more accepting of people and just like whatever people want to do. They're just like, yeah, just do your thing. Well, I think you it, it seems the reason so that changed a lot. Yeah, it seems know? the reason that the podcast would be, Hopefully better Over later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so think, the problem is you go to the beginning, you're like, oh, this isn't that good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would say reverse order. Because why not? Now, I would say this is an interesting challenge. Because with our podcast, this is, this is a different situation. They're historically. It's historical. Yeah. Right? Because it depends on why you're listening. If you're just listening for like jokes and funsies and little tidbits of knowledge and whatever, uh, then the, the temporal aspect probably doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. So then, yeah, start. Start the most recent, work your way back. Um, so, for example, if you're listening to this or The Adventure Zone, which is a D&D podcast, right. it's telling a story. So starting at the end is pointless. Right. You got to start at the beginning. Yeah. So so if if you, if, if part of what you're, what you're doing here is you want to kind of get a sense of like, because a lot of what we're doing with this podcast is basically documenting the building of this studio mm-hmm. and how our opinions on things are changing over time and all of that. And by listening to it in order, you actually get to observe that happen. Mm-hmm. And... The fact is, if you if you listen to it in reverse order, you're going to be you get to watch your studio time. decompose. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you're going to be hearing worse and worse ideas, right? That are oh, yeah, I'm sure. that are more and more wrong actually over time. Instead of instead of hearing where we started and like and hearing us get more, maybe not necessarily more right, but at least just better. coming up with things that work better. So so yeah, so it it just totally depends. If it, this you is think- purely entertainment, probably reverse mm-hmm. because. Then, then as soon as you don't like it anymore, you can stop listening and you don't have to listen to earlier episodes, right? <laughs> well, by the time it devolves into stuff you're, yeah, you don't care about, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, or the audio gets too bad, you know, just yeah. don't listen. <laughs> um, but if this is, if this is for like, if you just like want to learn about game dev or what it's like to run a small business or, uh, launching or games, launching Ooh. games, any of this kind of stuff, um, I think the historical record is, yeah. is, well, is I was the cool say, part. I was actually really happy because we got a, we got a, a note from Matt Rathel from who's the, a uh, guy who heads up Graphite. And again, their game Hive Jump's coming out. And he said he listened to the pre-launch episode of Crashlands to right. sort of soothe his nerves because... And yeah, just listen, he wanted to hear what along. we were thinking the week before we launched yeah. our game. And he right. apparently is like, he's in the same sort of place. So he's like, I, f- I think like everything has been done Everything that can be done has been done. Like I'm at peace <laughs> with whatever happens, and that right. kind of gave him a nice little little note of calm in there. So yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think if, if you want to listen to it to sort of follow the journey, then then chronological is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Funsies backward, definitely. And if you want to just sort of, if you're the type of person who just likes to see the world burn, 
Just listen Chaos to the, just, go, just, just listen to the prime numbered ones, starting at the beginning, but then listen to even numbered ones from the end and work Ooh. your way backwards and have them meet in the middle. Yeah, that'll be good. And then have them fight to the death. There is one episode <laughs> in particular though that if you aren't starting at the beginning, that that would then you wouldn't listen to for a long time that you might want to go listen to earlier because it is still my favorite episode, I think, which is I believe episode thirteen, Pint right. of the Lizard Kingdom. Yeah, that one, and honestly, I don't know what happened. if it's for skip the first part, like skip skip the us talking about studio stuff. Just go right into the questions because there's Shit a really got weird. Good, <laughs> there's a really good I don't riff. Know what you call it yeah. riff it's ramble. Riff, yeah. um, that is still one of my favorite podcast moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pint to the Lizard Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is. I mean, this is kind of a question that we've always kind of grappled with. It's like, how on topic should we be? Because we can really fly off the rails. Oh yeah. You know, which is those are the most fun times. Yeah, for sure. But hey, you know, if this is something you want, go ahead and we fill out our survey over podcast.bscotch.net and be like, <laughs> and I really wish you guys did. would really wish you guys would uh, fly off the rails more. Cause- here's the thing. A few people said that, and a few others were like, I wish you would fly off the rails less because I'm trying to learn about stuff. Yeah, but you know, there's the internet. So, so we'll do what we want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, go to podcast.bscotch.net to ask us questions for next week. Uh, check out the podcast survey that's up there. There's going to be a link to the first episode, which is totally free, of the documentary about the making of Crashlands in our mm-hmm. studio. That if launches more of this, this stuff, weekend on the 21st, which is the one year anniversary of Crashlands. The Global Game Jams this weekend, so definitely participate. That and uh, Hive Jump launches today. Get Hive Jump. And check it out. We'll on talk Steve. to you next friggin' week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.